Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. From North Korea to primary elections to Steve Allman, our inboxes have been full this week. We discuss the election results this week and expand on our previous conversations in today's episode. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We are still in the middle of our membership drive for a few more days. Anyone who becomes a new supporter of Pantsuit Politics on Patreon, which is an amazing website that lets you support our show monthly at certain amounts, anywhere from a dollar to a hundred dollars. Anyone who becomes a new patron or upscribes their Patreon support will receive some swags, depending on your level of support. We have cool stickers, magnets, earbud cases we're really excited about. And you get all kinds of bonuses like Beth's nightly nuances and our, an additional episode a month, depending on your level of support. But beyond what you get, I just want to say thank you for the way it allows our show to grow and this community to grow and our mission to grow. It really helps so much. We spend so much time. We have to support our families. We have to invest in producers and people that help us with the show and just all the things that go into this, not only keeping it running well, but continuing to grow it, that your patron support makes that possible. And just a reminder that our bonus episode this month at the $15 level and up is going to be about incels and the strange redistribution of sex article that ran in the New York Times. So we are super excited to discuss. So I just want to say we are recording on Thursday morning. And yesterday, I almost got on Twitter and said, President Trump, Hold it together just a little bit longer because we have too much listener feedback to get through. But I didn't because I thought, no, that will curse it and he will do something ridiculous. And it didn't even work. He still did something ridiculous literally as we're sitting down to record. So what Sarah's referring to, if you don't know yet, is that the president has written a letter to Kim Jong-un canceling the planned sum- summit in Singapore over uh, nuclear weapons. And the letter... <sighs> The letter is difficult to read. It alludes to a dialogue between the two of them as the only thing that matters. 
It says canceling the summit is in the interest of our two countries, but not to the world. It says that our nuclear weapons are bigger than his nuclear weapons, essentially, and we hope that we never have to use them. And then then it ends with, like, the kind of language that I would use in any business email. Please don't hesitate to call me if you have any thoughts. I mean, it's so so uncomfortable to read. It's just so obvious what he's doing. Like, the negotiation tactics, it seems like he's using a blowhorn and a bulldozer. Like, those are not the tools people want to, to ascribe to your negotiation technique, dude. It's supposed to be like a quiet ninja game of chess, not, oh, well, everyone's saying that I don't have the upper hand, so I'm going to cancel it to give myself the upper hand. Like, it's just so transparent. You know, I'm doing that thing where I laugh because I'm uncomfortable because I really am worried about this. And I think that the only thing I know to say today is that I sincerely hope that I am wrong about how this is unfolding. I just hope to be wrong. And I hope that something good can come of this. And I hope that Mike Pompeo has some diplomatic skills that would shock me because this is a really dangerous game. Well, and also prayers and love to the South Korean president who's having to deal with all this. That's right. Goodness. Let's talk about something more hopeful. (laughs) We had some primary elections. What? What? You know what I loved seeing as an outsider? I loved seeing a race between two Stacys. I know, I am, right? I am about more races between two Stacys. Two Stacys. In and all they were parties, both st- in all places, for all yes. offices. And Stacey Abrams is amazing. I put it on Twitter like, I'd put her in charge of something in addition to Georgia, if that's like on the table. If we could think of something else, I'm okay with that. But also the other Stacy was so awesome in her gracious. in her gracious in her um concession. I was thinking about that because, you know, so often we'll be like, there are more James in the cabinets than there are black people. And I'm like, yeah, I want there to be more state like I want this to be a Stacy problem. Like we got so many Stacys, we're missing some other people. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy's not James. There were just some interesting messages throughout these elections in Kentucky the Republican majority leader was beaten in his primary by a school teacher crazy and my husband actually is from the area where this happened and has reached out to see if Travis Brenda will come on and talk with us about that race which i think would be really interesting i mean that's a pretty clear message from voters about what's happened in our state legislature i think the, for me the theme is people are using their votes right to say something And I think that's really healthy. I was disappointed by the turnout in Kentucky still in our primaries. Mm -hmm. But the people who showed up, like, had things to say. And I like that. I think the message should be, if you're a woman and you're on a ballot in November, you should feel real hopeful. Because it seems like anytime a woman shows up in these primaries, it goes her way. I think people are like, yeah, let's put some women in charge. We missed our chance with Hillary. (laughs) Let's do it. Even if it's subconscious, I feel like that's happening. Well, The other thing, though, if you look at Amy McGrath in Kentucky, Mm -hmm. I think she has a better shot in the general election than her opponents did. I don't think that's because she's a woman. I think it's because she's a veteran. I think it's because of the way she conducts herself, the way she has conducted her campaign. I think she is someone that a mostly red state could get behind. Yeah. Well, and I think it's still shocking, though. Jim Gray is a good candidate. He was the mayor of Lexington, the biggest city in that district. I mean, I, I was impressed by her win there. I mean, she had me when she did that commercial with her kids running naked through the pediatrician's office. I was like, sold. I don't need to hear anything else. But she is an amazing candidate. And her story, oh, my God, you can't write stuff like this, where the congressman told her she couldn't be in the Air Force Academy, and she was the first woman in the Air Force. Oh, so good. So good. And her mom was the first female graduate of the U.K.'s medical school. I think that's right. I think it's really tough in Kentucky to run in a Senate race and lose and then do something next. We're not good as a state about letting people rebound from that. But overall, I feel like um, Amy McGrath is a great candidate. This sort of segues. I'm taking this out of order, Sarah, but we wanted to talk about that opinion piece in The New York Times by Jessica mm-hmm. Valenti on the, the myth of conservative feminism. My reaction as I read that, well, I had a bunch of reactions, but a reaction I had is that I think it's really important to distinguish between feminism and representation. Yeah, I, that's what I don't like the headline. I don't think the headline is the point she was making in the dang article. It doesn't do justice to Amy McGrath to say that she's winning only because she's a woman. 
Mm-hmm. When I think about the women that we met in Virginia, it, it doesn't do justice to Kathy Tran or Danica Rome or Jennifer Carroll Foy to talk about their first as the only important things about them or even the most important things about them. It also matters that they are the first mm-hmm. because there's a representation component. And then there and then there is the component of who is this person? What are they about? What are they going to accomplish? I don't think we should discount how important it is to see people who look like you. And in that vein, it is a big deal to me that a woman is running the CIA now. It is. Mm -hmm. I don't have to agree with her about everything. It is still a big deal. I didn't vote for President Obama, but it was a big deal to me to see a black man hold the office of the presidency. I think that's a wonderful thing for our country. So we can prioritize different things, but I feel like we're missing it when we conflate the idea of feminism with the idea of representation. And I think we should be able to celebrate representation even when we don't agree with the ideology, but clearly distinguish that from feminism. Yeah, I think, and listen, she's not wrong that the conservative commentators who get on and are like, well, there's a woman, and so why are the feminists mad? Like, they know what they're doing. They know that's not the point. Like, they're being jerks. She's not wrong about that. But then don't do what they're doing. Don't conflate all these other things. Like, of course you can believe in conservative limited government and be a feminist, like, obviously. Now, if you... She's not also not wrong that if you are supporting politicians who are anti-feminist, that's a problem. But... You didn't. We didn't kick everybody else out of feminism when there were and still are racial and representation problems. We weren't like, well, you're bad at that, so you're out. Like, like I, I just think that the in and out and exclusion comments with feminism are exhausting and overall not positive. I don't think that doesn't mean we can't think through what it means to be a feminist, but this sort of checklist gatekeeping, not helpful, guys. It's not helpful. It's also important, I think, and we talked about this a little bit at the end of Tuesday's episode when we were talking about Killing Eve. It's important to see lots of different kinds of women. Mm -hmm. It's important to see women who do things that hold other women back. Mm -hmm. It's important to just own that that exists, right? And not to pretend that women are a homogenous group. It is important to have female villains in stories. Mm -hmm. It's important and for them to be something other than stepmothers. I mean, it's a diversity of representation in what women can mean in our Mm -hmm. politics and in our businesses and in our fiction and everywhere else matters ultimately. Because I think that under the undercurrent of some of these conversations is just left over from really dated views about women, that women are better or more moral or more ethic, more ethical. Like, let's not do that. The, we screw it up just as much as everybody else. We might screw it up in different ways, ways that perhaps the world really needs right now. But I don't I, I feel like the undercurrent of that conversation it tiptoes really close to that line, which I don't enjoy. Well, I think that's right. It's limiting. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. It's Mm -hmm. just limiting. And we believe, both of us, that more women in office would be a very good thing for the world. That is not because women are superior to men. Mm -hmm. It is because we have not seen that yet. Because women are different than men. (laughs) We haven't tried it. But there are going to be all kinds of women in that mix that I disagree with very strongly and that you do, too. And yep. that and that's still important. It still matters. I can still celebrate for Amy McGrath, even though I might vote differently than her on 90 out of 100 bills. Yep. That's OK. I kind of feel like let's not spill ink over the way Matt Walsh and his like react to conservative female appointments. Like, I just... Don't feed the trolls. Like, I don't—they know what they're doing. They know they're baiting the feminist to go. She's not a feminist because that's a losing argument for us. And that's a—you know, even if it isn't a losing argument morally, it sure is sort of, like, PR-wise. Like, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look—it doesn't make anybody feel good about being a feminist that we're like, you're not feminist enough for us. Like, just don't. Just don't do it. Like, I don't—it's not that you have—it's not that—that doesn't—to be silent and not respond to these ridiculous arguments doesn't make them right. It just makes them, you know— an audience of one. It's just what they should be. Well, let's talk more about our fellow human beings and the way that we characterize people, because we got quite a bit of feedback about our comments on President Trump's remark that some people coming into the United States are not people, they are animals. 
and a few people thought that we were being misleading or that we should make a distinction because the president was referring to MS-13 gang members, essentially. And that's who he was talking about, that he wasn't talking Mm -hmm. about the -the run-of-the-mill illegal immigrant. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, we knew that. Yeah. That's the first thing. We did know that. And I don't care. It's not that I don't care. I just, it wouldn't change my opinion. Well, what I want to say is we were not trying to be misleading. I mean, I tried to say, I think that the president was trying to Mm -hmm. have empathy for a sheriff who was talking about Mm -hmm. frustration and keeping criminals out of her community. So we weren't trying to be misleading. For me, MS-13 is not a trigger word that makes me feel radically differently about how we talk about people. Because here's the thing. This desire to not speak about human beings as less than humans is reflective of my moral and ethical beliefs because what is called on me by my faith is to do that. I mean, I just, there's really no other way to interpret love your enemy as yourself. It's not, there's no, there's no asterisk, not a well, unless they're a gang member or unless they're really, really terrible or unless they're, they murder children or then then it's you get a pass like it it just doesn't work like that i wish it did desperately i wish it did i don't like it would be so much easier and i had this conversation on my facebook page and people were like we're not jesus uh <laughs> right i get that definitely get that that doesn't it's mean not we my don't theology Right. Right. I, yeah, I get it. Uh, not perfect. Still going to try. Still going to strive for better, even though it's harder, because I think it makes me a better person, not just um, because I want to, you know, put on this crown and pretend that I'm Jesus. It's not what I want to do. What I want to do is remember that because it is it affects my behavior to remember that I am connected to every human being on planet on the planet, even those who behave horribly and do horrible things because it is my sort of personal belief that everyone, even the worst of the worst is doing the best they can. And that we're going to get into that in a minute. And that we could all be in that similar position. Somebody brought up one of on our Twitter threads, somebody brought up the prison experiment and the Milgram experiment. The Stanford prison experiment is they they divided students into prisoners and guards and had to call it off within a couple of days because the guards were being so abusive to the quote unquote prisoners. And I also added the Milgram experiment, which is when they put people in a room with an experimenter who said the experiment must continue. And they were a, they thought they were listening to electric shocks to someone on the other side of the wall who they heard screaming in pain. And most people just kept doing it because somebody said the experiment must continue. This thing, and I'm a little skeptical about electricity. The experiment requires that you go on, teacher. Please continue. Incorrect. 150 volts. Learning about those at a very young age was very instrumental to me. And the lesson I took is we would all, we could all do that. We could all behave morally and ethically in ways we thought we never would. People weren't just Nazis. People stood by and supported Nazis and allowed it to happen. And I don't ever want to be that person. So I don't think. I'm better and I'll never do it. I think I could. How can I prevent that? And so this belief system is built very much on the basis of I could if if in the right circumstances behave that way. So I need to be aware that we're all connected and we all could behave in ways we thought we wouldn't. How do I acknowledge that, be aware of that and try to prevent it? That's that's where all that comes from for me. And let me be clear about a couple of things. What I understand about MS-13 is terrible. And I do not want people to come into our country for the purpose of harming our fellow citizens. Saying that I want to treat these people as people, not as animals, does not mean that they get a free pass to come into the United States and do whatever they want. I think making sure that we always talk about people as people is important both to our love and to our accountability. Mm -hmm. I also don't expect you to agree with me. When I get messages that are like, Will you guys just stand on the moral high ground and lecture everybody? I think, you know, that's not our intention. We're just having a conversation about our own values so that we understand them better. And hopefully we prompt you to think about yours. And if they differ from ours, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Something that really underlies my belief here is a thing that I heard Shauna Nequist put so beautifully in her interview with Oprah. She said that she tries to remember every day 
that when she wakes up in the morning, there is nothing she can do that day that will make God love her less. And there is nothing she will do that day that will make God love her more. Oh, and that, that is one so killed me. beautiful killed me. and freeing. And now it's something that I say to my daughter almost every day. You know, you can't make me love you more or less today. I just love you. You just have all my love. And that is how I feel. I feel that is the aspiration. Like, that is my calling. That is how I'm supposed to live. If you don't feel that, cool. cool. I respect your right to not feel that. And I respect your right to completely agree with the president about this comment. We're just working through what it means to us. Well, and here's Sarah lis- listening to Sean and Iquest. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. We can't lose the grace of God. And then she got to that point about you can't make him love you more. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't are realize you, that. Are you sure? I'm trying really hard over here. Like, are you re- Are you sure? Because this Enneagram one is like hustling over here. <laughs> but she's right. I know she's right. I'm just telling you in my brain. I'm like, no, no, I can hustle and he'll love me more for sure. Look how hard I'm trying. Well, exactly. I had the same reaction, not related to my Enneagram, but um, (laughs) this is a similar thread, I think, to our discussion about people being shot in Gaza, right? Bryn wrote us this amazing reflective email about how many people have been killed and how 50 or 60 protesters were probably members of Hamas, but there were at least 10 people who weren't. And he said, that's the same number of people who were just killed in the school shooting in Texas. And there's something about us pretending that those 10 lives are just kind of collateral damage that's really troubling. And I think that's right. So even if you say, well, some of the people in Hamas chose their deaths, there is a difference, right, between school children and people who are adults who made a decision to go into a dangerous situation. So I understand some moral differentiation there. But there are still people dying who aren't choosing to die. Mm -hmm. And even people who choose to die, I believe, we still need to have a sense of grief and reflection about the justice of those deaths. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't, it's not that I don't care that they were members of the Hamas protest group. But to just say, well, it doesn't matter that they die because they are like, no, uh-uh. let's still even in our exchanges with people as sovereign nations who we feel their interests are different than ours. I still that feel like the, pre- the preventing the loss of human life should be of utmost importance to just be like, well, they're crossing our border. So we have to mow them down. Uh, No, no, I'm not in favor of that. Well, let's take a short break and then come back and we are. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to talk about some more feedback and particularly about the feedback that we received on our conversation with Steve Almond. So we talked to Steve Almond and we heard from some of you about that. <laughs> um so one of our listeners wrote this really really nice email it was Paul he said I'm so incredibly grateful for the Steve Allman interview and of course for you Beth it was uncomfortable and bothersome for me to hear how critical he was of you I just kept thinking you clearly don't know Beth I wish that he'd spend as much time getting familiar with your podcast as you spent reading his book because I hope that he would realize how misguided he was but here's the thing I've thought a lot about what he said not about you of course but that's because I know better so hearing him who I didn't know but can identify with take the approach he did with you who I felt like I do know has helped me to do some self-reflection I've had similar moments in my li- in light of the heightened awareness of microaggression and the way men interact with women where I go oh wow, I didn't realize how I might have come off at all those different moments throughout my life. Some changes come easier than others, but I'm thankful for the opportunities to see these things from a different perspective. That makes me tear up a little bit. I love people like self-reflecting like that. It's so amazing. That's such a hard thing to do. I got a lot of email like that where people said, hearing what's in my head through someone else's voice to a person I feel like I know Mm -hmm. made me really rethink the way that I think and talk about other people. And I'm so grateful to all of you because that is a really difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, again, and I tried desperately to get this across in the podcast, but like you can't shame someone. <laughs> you know what I learned this is when we had our conversation on the Nuance Life about church clothes. I just, it really, y'all need to go back and listen. If you haven't listened to the Nuance Life, we had a very, very spirited philosophical conversation about church clothes. I like church clothes. I think people should put on their best for church. And we it kind of turned into this whole wardrobe conversation. And I was getting really morally righteous about what people choose to put on their body. And Beth was like, yeah, but here's the thing. You can't shame someone into stop wearing these nasty clothes. So why don't we inspire better action? And it really affected me. And I think about it a lot because sometimes I prefer shame just as a general approach. But, man, it never freaking works. Never works. I wish it did. But it doesn't. It doesn't work. You have to inspire people's better angels. You cannot shame them with your moral authority. Here's the other thing. I don't think many things are mutually exclusive. I think that wisdom and certainty are. Mm. Preach it. And that's why I'm careful in our conversation about MS-13 and animals to say, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Because I don't know everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. I just know for me and I don't know everything for me. And I try to do a lot of self-reflection. And that's why you probably do hear things from me on this podcast that are contradictory to what you know the Republican Party to stand for. I feel that all the time. And you probably hear things from me that are confusing and that you think don't go together. I've described myself as being like gazpacho because I totally understand that. That is how I want to be, though, because I think when you are so certain That you have it all figured out for everybody Mm -hmm. and that all everybody needs to do is get with your program. I think you are misguided. 
I don't I don't think that is a wise way to live. I do not aspire to live that way. And I am not inspired to change my viewpoint by that kind of certainty. That to me feels like a road that I will never want to go down because it doesn't feel wise to me. It doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel and I and I don't I want to be careful to not talk about Steve Almond who is not here, you know? Mhm. But I think that conversation was reflective of what we experience when we try to talk politics with lots of kinds of people and why so many of us don't do that. Because it's not fun. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's miserable. And, and I am really not interested in successive monologues. I'm mm-hmm. interested in dialogue. And that's why I love doing this show with you, because it's dialogue. And that was successive monologue. And if you want to do that, fine. But it doesn't inspire me to think differently than I'm already thinking. And I love thinking differently. So here's the thing. Recently, I came to a real uh, aha moment that I shared on the show that I've realized what I don't like about Donald Trump as much as, listen, listen to me. Let me be as self-transparent as humanly possible. I love to be self-certain. I really like it when it's attached to moral authority. I'm just being honest with myself here. Like, I love it. I love to be like, oh, I'm the person who is going to say the uncomfortable thing and be the and just stand on my moral high ground and say what no one else is saying. Like, if I'm just being honest, like, I live for that. I'm just that's I'm just being honest. That is who I am. I try to adjust for that as much as humanly possible in my um, and probably a a trick of luck. I ended up on a podcast with Beth who balances that very well and not on a podcast by myself, which I don't think anyone would listen to. So I get it. I do. And I have a lot of sympathy for that approach to life. But the reason that I don't like Donald Trump is because he never says, I'm sorry, I don't know, and I got it wrong. And with all love to Steve Allman, who I do not know personally, and who I only had one extensive conversation, I didn't hear a lot of, I don't know, I got it wrong, and I'm sorry. And I think that's because he came, you know, Beth and I were talking before we started our conversation with him. He said, I know what I want to do. When we said, is there anything you want to talk about? He said, I know what I want to do. And I think he came here to do something and not to actually talk with us. And that's unfortunate in a way, but fortunate in another way, because I think what we hear from our community is we real we heard the same thing with um, the conversation with the Catholic feminist, which is that was really hard, but I'm glad I heard it. And if that's what we can do, which is say, look, this is how hard this is, but let us let us practice in front of all of y'all as a witness, then I'm fine with that. And I think that is valuable. I think it is, too. And another dimension of the conversation that I feel awkward about getting into, but also like it's important to get into. You guys, I got so many emails saying, I don't know how you handled that the way that you did. The truth is, lots of women have a conversation like that every single day Mm. where someone is holding the floor for long periods of time where someone is waiting to respond and make their point instead of actually listening and thinking about what you're saying, where someone is just trying to do some gotchas, you know, that are very clever. That is the experience of being a woman in a lot of work environments. Mm -hmm. And so many, many life experiences (laughs) prepare me to handle that conversation. And, And the reason I want to talk about this is not to say that Steve was being sexist. That is not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is our culture in a lot of ways has said that is a powerful and important way to communicate. And I don't think that it is the best way to communicate. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is why I get so steamed about corporate training that tells women we need to act more like men in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Because I have had training that essentially said, You should hold the floor longer. You should be more forceful. You should not be afraid to do that gotcha kind of moment. And I am so much more compelled by people who don't do that and by people who communicate with a little more 
traditionally feminine energy and ask questions and stay calm and are willing to give something, are willing to say I'm, I'm wrong or I could be wrong or I've thought about that or I, I deviate from what you think about me here. I felt more defensive of the Republican Party in that conversation with Steve than I have in years. If you were graphing, this is me just being honest, if you were graphing my party affiliation, it would have been a very steep line up during that discussion. (laughs) Because when we are made to feel like the other person is just against us and that's it, we are not persuaded. That's the same thing as the church clothes. You're going to shame somebody about wearing jeans with holes in them to church. Guess what? They're going to come in next time in like netting because people (laughs) don't like to be told what to do. It is a human instinct. And people especially don't like you tying their behaviors that they believe you are misinterpreting to their values and their worthiness as human beings. And so to me, a takeaway and something that I'm going to be thinking about for a long time is we we need to reframe what it means to speak with conviction and to speak powerfully and honestly because i don't i don't doubt his sincerity of belief at all i don't wholly disagree with a lot I was of what saying, he said i don't even disagree that's the sad part <sighs> so we reach each other in lots of different ways and the substance is a tiny part of that i think that's the point cuz here's the thing too Beth and I were discussing the controversy with the Arrested Development cast in the interview they did with the New York Times. And Jason Bateman, now, much to his eternal credit, have come out on Twitter and apologized profusely for the way he spoke in this interview about um, some harassment that went down between Jeffrey Tambor and Jessica Walter, two other performers in the show, where he was pretty much speaking for her. Not a good idea. When we talk about conviction and the preachiness and the for better use of another word, mansplaining. Because here's what we hear as women. It's not, this is my perspective, I want to share it with you, which I am all for 100% of the time. It's, I've assessed this. I've figured out the moral, morally correct way to view this. Let me share it with you because you clearly haven't considered it. And that makes me want to give a giant f*** you because I have thought about it and I have thought about moral judgment and moral values and where I stand as a human being and to be talked down to about that as if I hadn't considered it, as if I haven't considered, you know, what it means for this person I share a table with three times a week and the way she's struggled with her party affiliation and the values with this man in the White House, like, it just was infuriating. It's infuriating. Of course I've thought about it. We are all doing the best we can. We are all trying to be morally, ethically human beings. Some people do a better job than others, no doubt about it. But the idea that, like, we don't care or we just haven't thought about it carefully enough or we just haven't had the courage to stand up for our moral convictions, it's just, it's it's infuriating. And that's why I don't, I don't want to meet people. I don't want to meet like with like. And and let me be really clear. I've gotten a whole lot more conversations like that from hard right listeners than from hard left. Mm-hmm. And so this is not partisan at yep, all to me. Not at all. And this is not atypical to me. The The practice for me, the discipline, the growth is refusing to do the same in return. Because Mm -hmm. that's what we have been doing that has led us here. So I don't, I'm not interested in hearing from people complain about partisanship in America if they are not willing to personally just try something different, you know, in their conversations. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. 
And we were discussing the fact that I am 43. And she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. This to me is illustrative of how it matters how we respond to a tweet. It matters how we respond to a Facebook message. It matters that when we get an inflammatory email, we take some time before responding and maybe we respond with our voices, you know, instead of being keyboard ninjas going at it. I think that the way we treat each other every day in interactions that don't have anything to do with politics and then certainly interactions that do are better expressions of what we think about putting country over party than saying that. This is related to some other feedback we got about the conversation about the dairy farm, which is this balance between that people are doing the best they can, which I personally believe, and you need to try harder. If it's important to you, you need to try harder, which in all sincerity, I think that's what he was the argument he was making, which is, again, I get it. As a person who has a voice in my head that is constantly saying, try harder, do better, try harder, do better. I get it. I do. And I think that there is, it's this very hard thing in which I do think there are people with the privilege and the resources to do better and to try harder and to make different decisions. I'm probably one of them. But it's like the church coast conversation. You have to give grace and build trust before people are willing to hear that message. You have to give grace and say, I know you feel like you're doing the best you can. I see you trying so hard to do the best you can. And you have to build a relationship and do trust before you can then say, well, here's what I'm doing. And this is how I feel like this is beneficial to everybody or whatever the case you want to make. You have to build a relationship and trust before you can get to that part to just go around and being like, well, if you really care about dairy farmers, you need to try harder and chop more locally or try harder and do all these things. Like it's just, again, in my deepest, deepest of deepest of heart wishes, I wish that worked. I do. 
But it just doesn't. It not, like Beth says, nobody wants to be told what to do. Like you have to inspire. You have to build trust. You have to give the tools. You have to give the support to make that happen. And what to do is not obvious. Mm-hmm. As much as it might feel obvious, it's not always obvious. When I think about our listener, Bren, so I was thinking about Bren during the conversation with Steve because I think Bren is probably pretty politically aligned with Steve, especially as I read the book. More of the Steve in the book than the Steve that we talked to on the show. Because Bren is our North Star. He's been a listener from the beginning. Bren has been a listener from the beginning. If Bren and I were sitting in the House of Representatives next to each other, we would vote differently a lot, a whole lot. And I think we would have incredibly difficult debates over what to do. I think we would agree on the problems we want to solve and disagree on how to solve those problems. And I think that because I feel that I have a relationship with him now, because I've been talking to him about our shows for almost three years, those conversations would be so enriching for both of us and would improve what we get done. And if Bryn had sat down with me and said, Beth, honestly, me and you, I, I don't get it. How have you not changed your registration? It would be so different than talking to someone with whom I have no relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's an important thing to remember. And similarly, I think what I loved about talking with Carolyn about her dairy farm is that she never said, if you buy milk at Walmart, you are contributing to this problem. Mm -hmm. What she said is this is a hard problem because there is something really beautiful and valuable to be preserved about small dairy farms in rural areas. And it is also inefficient and expensive. And I understand that. And it is not obvious what the solution is. When you're trying to solve all kinds of sustainability problems, it is not obvious what what the solution is. Mm -hmm. We've seen time and again, you try to make an electric car, but in the process, you're flying planes all over the world. And there are, you know, when you do the carbon calculation, sometimes it doesn't work. Party affiliation, shopping, everything. Church clothes. Steve's church clothes. Steve's question about land. It's easy to say no one needs 100,000 acres of land. I'm happy to say no one really needs that. But but what's next is complicated. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we take it? Does that mean we should just steal it? Does that mean a government should coerce some of it be turned over? And then for what purpose? Mm-hmm. And is and there any <laughs> and, and who gets it? And what incentives are created by all that? These are not obvious answers, right? And that's why I think we need people of all different perspectives. I was so glad that you brought up the gas and the brakes, Sarah, because to me that is just where we have arrived on this show. <laughs> there is value in that disagreement. It is not that all opinions are valid. Mm-mm. But it is that there are valid opinions and that those valid opinions are all valuable. I like to bring every conversation back to Oprah. It's just my personal conversation style approach. And here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about Oprah is such a good illustration of this because Oprah did get on her show not infrequently and say, this is what you should do. This is the right thing to do. Okay. And to people who watch her show, oh, I don't know, like me, who'd built trust over decades with her, we'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. I'm going to do that, Oprah. Thank you for telling me. But people who didn't watch Oprah, that's why people hate Oprah, you know, right? Because they feel like she's preachy and they feel like she tells people what to do because they don't have trust with her built over decades of viewership where they're like, oh no, but she, okay, cool. I'll do that. Like you see, I think you see that bubble up so often with celebrities. If you love the celebrity and you trust the celebrity and you think they're reflective of you and politicians too, you're like, oh no, they're, you know, they're doing the best they can. I trust them. That opinion's right. I'm going to offer grace and move on. And I like that. I'll adopt it or I won't. You know what I mean? Like we can, we are capable of that, but there's just, there's a lot that backs that up. There's a lot of trust and relationship building, even with someone you don't know, which I'm willing begrudgingly to admit, I do not know Oprah. You know what I mean? Like, but you can even see that there. That's why a lot of people don't like her. It's because they feel like she's preaching and they don't have, they haven't built that trust with her. Well, I think we should end on a very inspiring message that we got that shows kind of how we can start to set the foundation for doing things differently. This came from Anne, and it's a little bit of a long message, but I'm going to read it to you because it's glorious. It's so good. Dear Beth and Sarah, thank you so much for the work that you do on your shows. I listen to them religiously, and I'm pretty sure all my friends and family are sick of hearing me reference something that I heard on Pansy Politics in every conversation. Thank you, Anne. 
I wanted to share something with you because as a proud mama, I couldn't help myself. I've always been fascinated by politics, but it was only recently that I began to fully understand the true significance of local government in my city. One of my colleagues ran for and was elected to city council this year. Through his campaign, I began to learn more about the policies and individuals that are shaping our city. I was captivated. I was struck by the profound duty that we as citizens have in crafting our shared life together. After attending my first Holland City Council meeting this fall, I was sharing with my husband how fascinating I found it. I talked with him about the issues that our city was grappling with and told him that I was planning to go to the next study session. I about dropped my fork when my then eight-year-old son, Boston, spoke up and said that he would like to join me. Strong name, by the way. Yes. I tried to explain to him that these are very long meetings and that we need to sit and listen quietly for hours. He responded that he was okay with that and that he still wanted to attend. I was quite skeptical, to say the least, but I wanted to encourage his civic interest. So my husband and I came up with a plan so that when my son started to get restless, I could sneak him out of the meeting and my husband would take him home. With our backup plan in place, Boston and I headed to the city council study session. Boston loved it. He sat listening attentively for over three hours. He took six pages of notes. (laughs) He brought the notes to school. Yes, he brought the notes to school the next day to share with his class what was happening with the city. On the way home, he excitedly talked with me about the issues discussed in the meeting and said, I can't wait to go back to the next meeting. He was hooked and he's been going ever since. He often brings public comments along with letters from his classmates to share with the council. Our city officials have embraced him with open arms. They've invited him to sit at the council table during a study session, given him a private tour of City Hall. The mayor wrote him a letter and gave him a special gift and he has been invited to attend a meeting with the mayor next week to discuss how kids can be involved in city projects. It has been such a privilege and joy to get to engage in our community together in this way. This week, our local newspaper interviewed Boston and ran his story on the front page, which we will link in the show notes. Boston's interest and passion for creating a more just world is so inspiring to me. I hope that his story encourages others, both adults and kids alike, to participate in the shared work of living in community together. And bravo, Anne, and that city council, and the mayor, and Boston, and your husband, and everybody. I I just have read this message so many times. It makes me so happy. I can't think of a better statement that sums up this conversation we've had on this podcast today than the shared work of living in community together. It's so perfect. It's so Thank good. you for being part of our community, for joining us for this episode, for all of your amazing emails. I've read every single one of them. I love being with people who can say, I really disagree with you, and I was totally pissed off on your behalf. You are beautiful, <laughs> beautiful people. So we will be back on Tuesday with the live podcast we taped at our university, Transylvania, over Alumni Weekend. We had a really awesome conversation with a professor there about female representation in politics. We talked about Veep. We talked about Leslie. Nope. We talked about, I think we talked about Condi Rice. We talked about all kinds of real and fictional characters and how that plays out. It's a really interesting conversation. We can't wait to share it with you. So we'll be taking Memorial Day off and sharing that live podcast on Tuesday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Support for Pantsuit Politics comes from our listeners. We especially appreciate our executive producers, George Niedermeyer, Tracy Pidoff, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. Our theme music was written and performed by Dante Lima. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Subscribe and leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Player and follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic and Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics.